0: Welcome to another podcast in our podcast series. I'm Linda McGlasson with BankInfoSecurity.com and today we're speaking with Katherine Allen, CEO of BITS, the Financial Services Roundtable. Catherine Allen is a noted innovator and visionary in the financial services industry. Named as one of 16 Unsung Heroes and Rising Stars by Fast Company Magazine, she led bits from a fledgling organization in 1996 to its current status as key industry forum for cutting-edge issues in financial services. She has frequently consulted as an expert on the subjects of security, e-commerce, and payments. She sits on the boards of the Financial Services Technology Consortium the Financial Services Sector Coordinating Council, Council, MIST and Hudson Ventures and serves on task forces as well as a number of industry groups. We'll get right into the questions. You have the ears and know the opinions of the top 100 financial organizations in the United States. What is their vision in your view, of the state of information security at financial institutions here in the United States?
1: I think that uh, the CEOs uh, are very concerned, very aware, and proactively working to address the concerns of information security. And by that I mean concerns about data breaches and the loss of public confidence, customer confidence, Uh, By that I mean looking at the processes, the technologies, and the uh, sort of internal uh, people uh, training uh, that makes uh, the institutions more aware and more concerned and more proactively addressing the information security um, areas. I just recently met with uh, the CEOs. I, every year I go out and meet with about 30 or 40 of them one-on-one, and I thought I might share with you what's top of mind for the CEOs of these 100 largest financial institutions. They are wireless security, and I think part of their interest there is because they use handheld devices. Their Blackberries, their Trios, and other devices, and they're uh, acutely aware of how how wireless is proliferating, both devices and networks, but also the applications and the concerns about security and delivering payments and. Uh, information services over the the wireless networks so that's one major area that they're uh, concerned about a second is cross-channel payments risk the fact that through information security breaches the fraudsters or bad guys are able to leap from one payments channel to another and to use information from one channel into another channel so that is a concern I've mentioned the data breaches and public confidence issues. Research is showing that consumers are increasingly concerned about identity theft and about their data being breached. And this latest TJ Maxx, uh, TJX uh, breach is a good example of where financial institutions are going to need to um, uh, uh, reissue a number of cards, both debit and credit cards, And yet, it is not the financial institution's fault that the data was breached, it was the retailer's fault. So, it's one of those issues where the uh, CEOs are very concerned about the liability and the responsibility they have to their customers, yet, they're relying on other institutions, third parties, uh, who may actually have the breach. Lastly, they're concerned about the cost of compliance. With all the regulations, that are addressing, and sometimes overlapping regulations, addressing data security and information security, how to make sense of those, how to have more efficiency uh, in uh, in compliance and to work collaboratively with the regulators to address that. Lastly, their concerns, top of mind, is third-party providers and how they can Um, manage them and have oversight uh, on those third-party providers uh, to make sure that they're meeting the regulatory requirements that we have and that they're ensuring that our customer data is held uh, secure. And that's the genesis of much of the work we've done in the shared assessments project.
0: Kathy, of those items that you just mentioned, what is the most damaging cyber threat facing financial institutions and our customers today. And in your opinion, have we been winning this war against cybercrime? Uh,
1: the answer is, is we are in the war. Uh, we're in numerous battles on cybercrime. I don't think it is winnable in the short run. I think only in the long run when we have a combination of uh, technologies that help us to detect and prevent intrusions, Um, we have processes in place that are not only for financial institutions, but for other um, third parties and retailers and others that we uh, trade or interact with. And until the law enforcement, um, until we make it a significant enough crime and the punishment for that crime significant, I think we're going to continue to have these battles. Uh, the most significant thing is the data breaches, and they may come from botnets and um, keystroke loggers or uh, breaches of, de- of um, uh, databases, and then using that data uh, for identity theft or fraudulent activity on accounts. It not only is a, a uh, um, it is a fraud that occurs, but it, it harms public confidence in not only the uh, financial services systems, but also in technology. I think that um, our dependence on IT, on telecommunications, and the power industry means that all of those industries need to work collaboratively to address these problems. A good example of that is work we're doing on email security, where we are requiring financial institutions uh, to adopt more rigorous Practices and also some technologies that strengthen that email security component. We're also um, going to the vendors, the ISPs, the internet service providers, to have them also adopt the practices and technologies. That's just an example of one uh, one way of approaching the battlefront. Using your analogy,
0: so it's multiple levels and uh, different fronts. Um, in a recent essay that you uh, published, you noted that 9-11 showed us that our industry was dependent upon other critical infrastructures. What is BITS doing to help focus attention on the big picture for business continuity within our industry? And how will this help the regular financial institutions plan for the next Katrina Or other such events as, uh, like the predicted avian flu pandemic.
1: Okay, uh, excellent question. We learned there are much that we learned from 9/11, and bits started uh, proactively to bring together the industry to look at how we might address either future terrorist events or any kind of mega catastrophe that would impact a locale or impact. Um, uh, the um, uh, industry as a whole. Examples of some of those things are um, early on when the Department of Homeland Security created the code levels of red, orange, yellow, we developed some best practices of what needed to be implemented both in the information security and the physical security area uh, for our industry. We then shared that with the Department of Homeland Security who, who actually made those best practices available to all critical infrastructure um, industries. A second thing that we did is we worked with... Um, some of our members in the Chicago area and created Chicago First, which was the first regional coalition of the financial services community with the uh, state and local governments, law enforcement, and first responders. We then worked with Treasury uh, to develop a cookbook, so to speak, of how to create regional coalitions, and that has been, it was published and has been used and shared with the industry uh, to create other first responder uh, financial services regional coalitions, like Miami First. A third thing that we did is we've, we've spent a lot of time looking at this interdependency issue. In particular, on the IT industry and on the telecom industry. And then thirdly, on the power industry. On the IT area, we engaged with Microsoft and IBM and others who provided software and operating systems and developed a set of requirements, business requirements that our industry wanted from them, to address the vulnerabilities in the software and operating systems. So we've had that relationship for some time and have been working together to uh, try to identify and address those things that could be um, uh, affected in a very short time period. In the telecom area, we worked with the uh, NCS, the National Communication Service, out of the Department of Homeland Security, to look at the diversity and redundancy issues that are in the telecom infrastructure. Uh, We had some private proprietary meetings around that. We worked uh, with the INSTAC to get them, uh, this is the Presidential Advisory Board for the telecom industry, um, to address these diversity and redundancy issues. We created a white paper uh, and best practices, and that's available on our website on what the financial services sector needs to do to uh, have the required diversity and redundancy, and also what the telecom sector needs to do. and all of this, we've worked very closely with the regulatory agencies uh, to uh, make them aware of the dependency issues and what they might be able to do in terms of um, negotiations and and, um, discussions with these other third-party and and, uh, telecom-related industry players. Um, I sit on the INRIC, which is an advisory council of the FCC. We brought the same diversity and redundancy issues to bear there. And then working very specifically with ADIS, which is a um, group of the CIOs of the telecom industry, we uh, did two pilots, one with the Federal Reserve and one with one of our member companies, to, have to actually map out what it would take to understand um, what it would take to get the diversity and redundancy that we need and what the cost might be around that. So in the telecom uh, interdependency area, we've done a lot of work. Um, Similarly, we worked with the power coalition to look at alternative sources of power or backup power when there has been a major power outage. And again, the assumption is that the power grid will go down at certain times. Much of this were uh, lessons that we learned when we had the power outage uh, a few years ago uh, in, I believe it was in August, in the New York and Detroit area. And, again, that's a white paper that identifies the issues, the best practices for our industry, and best practices for the power industry. Um, So in the IT, telecom, and power industry, we've done quite a bit of work. We've done a lot of work to help uh, look at business continuity issues and disaster recovery. And today, one of the things that we do is we have been supporting the Physic, which is the uh, trade associations in the financial industry led by Treasury, um, uh, meet on a quarterly basis to address, again, business continuity and crisis management kinds of issues. In that group, we've done a lot of work on the pandemic and preparing preparing for pandemics with the Financial Services Roundtable, which had a mega-catastrophe cat, uh, task force. We've developed um, recommendations for the government and for the industry on how to handle a mega-catastrophe, and that includes a, a pandemic, uh, something like the avian flu or some other kind of of um, major biochemical type of disaster. So there's a a, a large body of work available for free and, and, you know, for the public on our website that we think serves a a strong core for the financial sector and for other critical infrastructure sectors uh, to be able to understand how to prepare for disasters and how to enhance their business continuity program.
0: Okay, going on to, that was a great answer by the way, uh, going on to another, uh, question, um, related to s- some of the things that you at BITS have been working on. What is the acceptance level within the industry of BITS's product certification program and the shared assessments program? Okay, uh, let me start
1: with the BITS product certification program. Where that has uh, that we developed uh, now maybe four or five years ago, which is a minimum set of security requirements for a number of different software applications we actually have six six different uh application software application um security requirements, those are available on our website. We then worked with various laboratories like FAIC and, and the NIST laboratories to make it compatible with the common criteria testing. Um, and we then have had a number of um, uh, vendors go through the testing process. I think we're now up to seven or eight that have actually gone through the process and have received the BITS test and mark. Uh, We also worked with our own financial industry uh, providers because much software is developed internally, and for them to adopt these minimum security requirements into their own software development process. And that has been um, widely adopted by uh, the financial services members. The, the, The challenge in this particular area has been the vendors saying, well, unless you require me to do this testing, such as the common criteria is required for some of the uh, military procurement, um, I'm not sure that we want to go through it, so it's been more jawboning with them. The interesting thing is is the more that we've had the concerns about data breaches uh, and, and more public understanding of the cybersecurity threats, the more interest we're getting from the vendor community. So we think that that program, the BITS product certification program, will continue to grow, and. Certainly the, the uh, work that we did, the minimum security requirements, um, is a good body of work that can be used by any industry. It was something that was developed by the financial sector, it was vetted by our, our regulatory agencies, vetted by the vendor community, vetted by experts in uh, information security, and it serves as a baseline for, what, uh, for software application um, development. So that was one set. Addressing, As I mentioned before, this dependency on the IT community, that was one piece of, of um, that work. The second uh, is our Shared Assessments Program, Financial Institution Shared Assessments Program. <coughs> and this came out of our work in managing third-party service providers um, through BIPs. The first step was we developed a framework of what we needed to know and manage. Uh, of third parties, whether they were in Indiana or India, uh, that would meet our regulatory requirements. So we developed a framework of what an, an institution should be looking at. The second step is we mapped questions against the regulatory requirements. Glam- Gramlich, Bliley, uh, Sarbanes Doxley, uh, advisories that had come from the FFIEC on outsourcing, and said what are the kinds of things that we need to be auditing or assessing for, or the questions that need to be asked, and then that led to this uh, development of a SIG. Uh, it's a really a questionnaire and an assessment tool called an AUP. Um, over the past year and a half. Uh, The questionnaire uh, collects all the kinds of questions that should be asked of a vendor by a financial institution. Uh, The AUP is the assessment tool that goes back and looks at the controls that are in place that address the questions that have been asked in the uh, the SIG, the, the questionnaire. We developed this with the four, uh, big four audit firms, with the financial services industry, and with vendors who helped with a pilot. uh, Six of our financial institutions, six vendors, and uh, the big four uh, actually conducted pilots last year to make sure that we had the right process in place. Uh, We now have working groups. Uh, I think the number is up to 40 or 42 right now of uh, members in these working groups, which are financial institutions, the vendor community, and the assessment um, uh, community. Uh, Looking at revisions, uh, we just published uh, 2.0 on the AUP Um, to the um, questionnaire. We have assessments underway right now. Our target is 100 different assessments this year, and that will be both in the U.S. and in India, uh, that will be shared then by the financial community. And what this does is it creates a, um, a much more rigorous assessment than a SAS 70. It's complementary to the SAS 70, but much more rigorous, much more focused on data security and privacy and customer uh, information protection issues. Secondly, it allows one audit of a vendor as opposed to <coughs> excuse me, fifty vendors, uh, fifty financial institutions going in fifty times and doing fifty audits. This is a consistent audit that then can be shared with those institutions. Thirdly, it coordinates all of the financial institutions so you have a common set of questions and a common set of assessment tools uh, uh, control um, uh, processes so that uh, the vendor does not have you know, multiple institutions coming in with slightly different versions of uh, what they think is an requirement of uh, GLB or requirement of Sarbanes-Oxley. So it's a much, much more cost-effective and efficient effort. It's also much more rigorous, which is good for the industry and good for the vendors. And so we're finding uh, a, a, a not only adoption within the financial community, but uh, enthusiastic enthusiastic response from the vendor community. So we see this year is our major rollout year to try to get 100 assessments done, and then we see we'll you know, um, really um, launch uh, much more rigorously in the following year. All of the assessment tools and the, thing, uh, the questionnaires are available on our website so that you can download them and try to understand what you as a, in the vendor community need to uh, do to be prepared for the assessments and for the financial community to know what, you know, coming out of some of the largest financial institutions and best managed in the vendor management area, this is they're the players that really put this assessment tool and questionnaire together.
0: Kathy, we've been described by some as an industry divided by those institutions who, quote, get the need for security and do it well. And on the other side of the river are those who go through the motions for compliance sake because they don't either get the need for security or they are unable to afford the level of protection needed in this wild, wild west of the Internet and... Uh, pervasive computing environment that we all operate in now. Uh, in your opinion, what more can be done to bridge this divide between the two sides of and all of those in-betweens?
1: Well, that's an excellent question because I think it's one of the major challenges we have today. <coughs> Excuse me. I do not see... Um, this problem about information security abating. In fact, I see it getting worse because the fraudsters and the bad guys that are out there are becoming more technologically sophisticated. They understand better how the financial systems work and it's where the money is. And so I think we're going to continue to see challenges and we need to work as an industry and with others in industries such as the IT industry uh, to really try to address these issues. There is a divide. Uh, the, the large financial institutions, most of, obviously the bits and roundtable members are, are really sophisticated about this issue. The CEOs are well versed in it. They're concerned about it. Um, they have the appropriate processes and, and technologies, uh, in, uh, that are being invested in. Um, but still, we have concerns about breaches because, again, it is something that is Uh, You cannot be 100% secure. Um, On the other side, the smaller to medium-sized institutions just don't have either the resources or the sophistication that, uh, that, that competes with the larger institutions. So part of what the industry has done is try to share best practices with them much of the work, if not all of the work that Fitz does in the fraud, we have affiliate memberships with the ABA and the ICBA and CUNA who um, participate in the working groups and then share that information with their members in the smaller institutions. So that's one way we try to have the, the larger guys help the smaller guys, so to speak. Secondly, we work very closely with the serves and Metavantes and the, the processors uh, that serve the medium to small size uh, players and try to, uh, again, the, get them to adopt the best practices that the industry has. The third area is the regulatory community, which has a vested interest in these smaller players being up to speed. They try to educate them. They provide them with the same advisory. When the examiners go in, they try to help those institutions um, ha- put in place the kinds of policies and technologies that will help address the information or really shared assessments program. Um, and through that, they're trying to get the vendors that serve these smaller communities to have better practices and, and again, higher levels of security, which helps the industry in total. But we'll continue to see um, challenges for the small to medium-sized institutions just because of the investments that are needed. And unfortunately, many of the bad guys um, see that vulnerability and are beginning to go after smaller institutions as a way to uh, then interface into the larger networks.
0: Kathy, the influx of phishing and other malware exploits hitting our institutions and our customers are soaring. What are some of the solutions you, at BITS, see that may offer some help for institutions, especially the mid- and smaller-sized ones of who you just mentioned aren't afforded the Same level of staff to fight the attacks at the same level of intensity as uh, larger institutions are?
1: Um, Several things. Um, uh, A paper that's about ready to come out that we're working on uh, email security really addresses. so one of the things, technologies that are, as I mentioned, the, the FISERBs or the Medavantes could implement. We're also um, working with the Internet service providers for them to implement those best practices and technologies. So that's one step. Secondly, we have published best practices on Internet fraud, on um, uh, phishing. We have a, a phishing network where uh, our members uh, provide incidences and, that are happening um, and they are sharing that with the industry so, and, and, how they handled those phishing attacks. So there's a way to, uh, either go to our website and get some of the best practices or to participate in the anti-phishing, uh, network. Um, a third way is to really, uh, talk to some of the larger players who have been through this multiple times and, uh, talk to them about what technologies they've implemented to address the phishing issue. So that's all the sort of the preventative Technology area. Um, We just recently did a conference with uh, the ITAC um, bits in the roundtable. Put together a utility to help consumers for free um, if they've been victims of identity theft, and it's a utility that stands behind the member uh, organizations. Through that, uh, through this conference that we put together. Uh, We talked about what do you do when you have a data breach? What are the kind of communications you need to make? Um, We put a white paper together that's called uh, uh, Consumer Confidence and, uh, again, how a financial institution needs to handle it when they've had a breach and how they communicate with their employees, their customers, their um, the consumers, and with the regulators. Again, that is something that's on our website that is useful to medium to small size institutions. Um, and then lastly, working with the regulators, um, they have a number of uh, what I would call educational advisories and um, information and and again, when the examiners go into the institutions that they can provide as well so there there is information there I think sometimes the problem with the smaller institutions is they Even if they have a CIO, that CIO has many other responsibilities. So it's a timing, uh, you know, just having the time to understand what you need to do um, is the problem.
0: Okay. Uh, Some of the recent guidelines issued by BITS focused on uh, keeping consumer confidence high. Uh, I think you just mentioned one. Is this an indication of a growing problem in erosion of consumer trust? And where do you see the level of consumer confidence in, uh, let's say, online banking? And has the move uh, to strengthen authentication methods per the FFIEC guidance helped at all?
1: Um, We are concerned about consumer confidence. There are two studies recently out that... Uh, talked about the Poneman study and a visa study that showed that one in five um, consumers are leaving an institution when there's been a breach. That's a, a, a large number because we all know the cost of keeping customers or uh, acquiring new customers, and to have a customer leave just because you've had a breach is a significant um, concern. Uh, If you look at general numbers, you're seeing uh, a decrease in, um, I would say, confidence in the Internet, in in, uh, the um, technology per se. However, what we consistently see is that consumers do have a belief that their financial institution will make them whole, that their financial institution will help them if they become a victim of uh, of a breach or of an identity theft problem. So the confidence within their own institution, uh, is strong. It's when there's been a breach, those people who are concerned about privacy are the ones that are leaving. So we, you know, I, on one hand, the confidence is still there in that their institution will take care of them. On the other hand, we're seeing some national studies that are saying when any institution is breached that it, there is a significant impact. Um, and uh, as I said, that's one of the issues that the CEOs are very concerned about, this lack of consumer confidence. Now, with regard to the um, FFIEC guidelines on authentication, most of the institutions are just implementing now stronger authentication, in, and it varies by the risk um, levels of risk. I think you will see um, that, uh, contributing towards uh, confidence, it certainly is something that needed to happen to have institutions focus on stronger authentication of who their customers are. However, much of the many of the breaches that occur, authentication would not have helped them. The, sort of the man in the middle problems, the breaches that may occur because they access a database or be able or because they've been residing, you know, viruses have been residing on them a uh, PC or on a server for some time. So there's not a direct correlation in the reality of um, security breaches with having stronger authentication in the breaches that have occurred to date.
0: Um, Other than the uh, email security um, project that you guys are working on, can you comment on any other ongoing projects that the industry will want to look for from BITS in 2007? Absolutely.
1: Some of the biggest, uh, probably the biggest project we're taking on right now is on wireless security. We're going to do a thorough analysis of the devices, the networks, and the applications, including payments, whether or not there are appropriate levels of security, if they're not what kind of best practices and recommendations we have for the financial sector as well as for the device manufacturers in the telecom uh, and network providers. So that will be a big piece of work, and um, it relates back to our CEO concerns about wireless. It also relates to um, the proliferation of um, of wireless activity, and in particular payments uh, through cell phones and through other kinds of wireless devices. So that will be a big area. A second is in encryption and uh, looking at appropriate levels of encryption, stronger levels of encryption, and who manages keys. What happens 20 years from now when you need to encrypt or decrypt um, uh, information and who has the keys to be able to do that? We did a paper and and best practices uh, in 2006 on uh, data storage and retrieval, physical data storage and retrieval. And out of that came best practices about which included encryption of uh, data that may be on uh, tapes or uh, kind of the physical data component to it. So this next phase is going to look at some of the electronic storage of data and uh, how encryption fits in. Um, in the fraud area, we're looking at mortgage loan fraud, uh, debit card fraud in light of uh, some of the breaches that are occurring at retailers, um, looking at channel payments risk where we're seeing um, uh, fraud move from channel to channel because they may have gathered information in a debit card fraud scheme but then use that for the DDA account or for a credit card uh, uh, fraud scheme. So looking at holistically at how fraud occurs across the payments um, areas. And then in the third-party service providers, in addition to this roll-out massive rollout of, of assessments and, and participation in shared assessments, we're looking um, at global assessments and what, how we can have a stronger coordination, collaboration with the regulators in examining third parties that may reside abroad and what other kinds of controls we might put in place that would assure that um, the, the kinds of security is in place that we need to have in, in place um, and what special um, circumstances occur in a global environment. Those are just a, some examples of that. And then on uh, March the 15th, we're actually having an internal fraud forum where we're bringing together regulators, the technology providers, uh, the um, uh, some, some examples of best practices on how firms are handling gangs of people or internal fraud that may uh, occur from employees or uh, uh, teams of employees that maybe have been planted in the institutions and also promoting this uh, shared um, fraud database that um, Early Warning Systems is managing for BIPs and that is uh, where institutions are putting the names of uh, former employees who've either been Fired uh, and, and can prove that they fr- were fired for fraud, were convicted, or confessed, and then institutions are able to ping against that database so that they're not rehiring people that have committed fraud in financial institutions. So that internal fraud focus is one of the things that we'll do in a forum, and, and again, we'll promote some of the activities we've already done in that area. In June, I believe it'll be June 19th and 20th. We will have a wireless forum, and that will bring people up-to-date with what we've learned to date on the wireless area and take us to the next step. And then probably in uh, the November, December time frame, we'll do another forum that will be information security related. don't have the topic yet, but as we all know, these issues keep um, emerging. And um, uh, last year our forums were on cross-channel payments risk. They were on the uh, data breaches and how you handle them from a communications point of view. Uh, they were on AML uh, and the link between AML and terrorist funding. So we try to do uh, these forums, which are invitation only but open to the public, um, on topics that really need help the industry think about the problems, think about what best practices need to be developed, and uh, what kinds of um, efforts the industry needs to do uh, on a collaborative basis.
0: Okay, that's a lot to look forward to. Um, finally, Kathy, do you have any words of uh, wisdom or maybe encouragement for those information security practitioners out here in the financial services industry?
1: Well, first of all, I love them. They're they're my favorite people because they're the really they're the heroes that are g- going to help us understand how to understand, to mitigate, and to really proactively address the information security breaches that we have. So it's a great field to be in, and I have uh, utmost admiration for them. And uh, as you know, we have a security and risk assessment steering committee and, and working groups that are made up of many of the uh, CISOs, or information security professionals, and uh, some of the best and brightest in our industry are in that field, and I uh, Number one, I I congratulate them and I honor them for the work that they're doing. The second thing I would say is for them to think holistically, to look at fraud and information security and where they come together. One of the things we're recommending to our member companies is that they break down the silos between the various fraud groups within an institution and the information security people. They need to have cross-communications, because much of the fraud that's occurring is starting with an information security breach. And then the third thing I would say is it's as important to have your institution know how to communicate um, uh, how to address these security threats to the board of directors and to their customers um, as it is to have the... Technologies and processes and people uh, kinds of um, skill sets in place. So it's really important that the information security people work closely with the corporate communications people to um, really have a program ready. For when, not if, a breach occurs and how they communicate to the board of directors and their stockholders and how they communicate to their customers and employees. And so, again, that role of the information security expert needs to be broadened to think about the communication side as well as the technology side.
0: Okay. Kathy, thank you so much for your time today, and we will look forward to seeing more of this great work that uh, the BITS is doing for our industry, Um, and I just wanted to thank you for all of your answers. You've just listened to a podcast with Catherine Allen, uh, CEO of the BITS. I'm Linda McGlasson with BankInfoSecurity.com. Tune in soon for the next interview in our series with information security experts, cyber luminaries, and top financial institutional leaders.